In this week's market update, interest rates are in focus on both sides of the pond, gross stocks are in a bear market, but earnings keep rising. Well, this is a big week for central banks on both sides of the Atlantic. The Fed must decide whether to kick off a series of half-point rate hikes, while over here, the Bank of England is further into its tightening cycle, and with a growing cost-of-living crisis, its dilemma is whether to prioritise inflation or growth in its rate-setting decision. Starting with the Fed, which concludes a two-day meeting on Wednesday, the base case now is that it will shift gears from the cautious quarter-point rises that have been the norm in recent years to a more aggressive tightening cycle aimed at getting monetary policy back to a neutral rate of 2.5% interest rates by the end of the year. Starting from today's 0.25 to 0.5% range, that would imply a series of half-point hikes between now and the autumn, which would unsettle a stock market that's grown used to rock-bottom interest rates in the 14 years since the financial crisis. The bond market has been quick to price in the expected rise in interest rates, with the yield on the benchmark 10-year bond rising above 3% this week for the first time in four years. With the expected peak in interest rates now put at around 3.5%, bonds have already pretty much factored in the tighter policy ahead. The other market which is quickly pricing in a more hawkish Fed is foreign exchange. The dollar has hit a 20-year high when measured against a basket of other currencies. There's not a rival currency anywhere in the world which is not crumbling in the face of the newly mighty dollar. The pound is down at $1.25 and the euro at $1.05. Meanwhile, the yen is at a multi-decade low of 130 yen to the dollar and the Chinese renminbi is also falling. That reflects the widening gap between expected US interest rates and those in other countries where growth is seen as the bigger problem and central banks are expected to be more cautious than the Fed when it comes to raising rates. Higher rates in the US make it more attractive to hold dollar-denominated assets, putting upward pressure on the US currency. Not that America is free of the spectre of stagflation. Last week, it was announced that the US economy contracted in the first quarter at an annual rate of 1.4%. But the bigger problem is the country's 8.5% inflation rate and 6% or so rate of wage increases as the labour market remains red-hot in America. The US economy clearly does not need any further stimulus and the Fed is running to catch up with reality. As well as hiking interest rates, the US central bank is expected to start reducing the size of its balance sheet by selling off some of the $9 trillion of bonds and mortgage-backed securities it's acquired in recent years in a bid to inject liquidity into the US economy. The current thinking is that it will sell these down at a pace of around $95 billion a month. Here in the UK, the Bank of England will outline its approach to interest rates on Thursday, having already pushed rates up from 0.1% to 0.75% in three consecutive hikes. It's further along the tightening path than the US, but is still expected to raise rates further to 1% this week. If it does that, it will run up against a self-imposed hurdle for considering selling off the gilt it too has accumulated on its books. It's already stopped reinvesting the proceeds of maturing bonds and actively selling bonds would represent the next step towards monetary policy normality. Just like in the US, 
the bank is weighing up the competing pressures of the current stagflationary environment. Retail sales volumes fell by an unexpectedly large 1.4% in March as the rising cost of essential items like gas, food and fuel has started to eat into households' disposable income. And GDP in February grew by just 0.1%, down from 0.8% in January. At the same time, however, inflation hit a 30-year high of 7% in March and price rises are expected to rise to 9% or even double digits later this year, fuelled by another expected rise in household heating costs in October. The impact of Brexit with fewer overseas workers available is also putting upward pressure on inflation and threatening to make rising prices a more long-lasting drag than would otherwise have been the case. The impact of rising interest rates on investors has been most obvious in the parts of the stock market where the present-day value of future earnings streams is reduced by rising interest rates. This is particularly the case for technology companies and other high-growth sectors. Recently, the value of those growth shares fell more than 20% below their recent peak last November. That meets the traditional measure of a bear market. Investors and funds which are focused on these kinds of shares and benefited from their strong performance in recent years have suffered more than most. April has been particularly hard for growth investors, with the MSCI World Growth Index suffering its worst monthly performance in at least 20 years. Some of the highest profile shares in the market have been hit hardest. Google owner Alphabet is down 20% year to date. Amazon is 25% lower. Facebook owner Meta nearly 40% down. And video streamer Netflix is almost 70% lower. That's hit some retail fund favourites like the ARC Innovation Fund in the US and the Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust over here. The US fund is down 48% this year and the UK Investment Trust down by 34%. An index of unprofitable tech stocks, which is put together by Goldman Sachs and is a good indicator of investor appetite for this kind of blue sky future growth, is down 39% since the start of the year. The scale of these falls is starting to interest more contrarian investors who are asking whether the sell-off has gone too far. On Monday, for example, US shares closed higher while the UK market was closed for the May Day holiday. The Nasdaq index rose 1.6% while the S&P 500 was 0.6% higher, reversing an earlier 1.7% fall. In the bond market too, investors are looking at yields of 3% and asking whether a more or less guaranteed return of capital and a yield that's in line with longer term expectations for inflation once the current spike works its way through the system, is now an attractive entry point. One of the key determinants of whether investors should be buying the dips now is what happens to earnings. Roughly halfway through the current quarter one earnings season, about 80% of companies are reporting better than expected profits. And the forecast growth rate in aggregate has risen from about 5% at the beginning of the results season to 8.7% currently. The overall level of the market is determined by both earnings and the price that investors are prepared to pay for those earnings, otherwise known as the valuation multiple. As growth expectations have moderated over the past year, that multiple has contracted significantly. So the question is whether that valuation reset has run its course or whether it's further to go. 
At 18 times currently expected earnings, the S&P 500 would trade at nearly 4,500. That's a bit above the current level. But at 16 times, it would be below 4,000. Earnings growth matters, but so too does that market valuation. This week, we'll see another torrent of earnings announcements, effectively bringing the season to a close. Sectors in focus this week include pharmaceuticals, with a record profit from COVID beneficiary Pfizer expected. Over here, the airlines are in the spotlight, with numbers due from British Airways owner IAG, Lufthansa and Air France. Also under scrutiny is the booming energy sector, with BP reporting its highest underlying profits growth in 10 years on the back of the soaring oil price. That's obviously good news for shareholders. Less so would be the windfall tax that many are now talking about. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.